0: So when it is stressful, I just have blind faith that I'm just going to smash it. That's,
1: that's incredible, though, <laughs> that you've got that, that you can sort of go, I think you oh, have to, do
0: otherwise this. you're just going to die.
1: <laughs> making grown men cry in the middle of churches. Is yeah, I love feeling?
0: making grown men cry. <laughs> they're not in my words, they're not in your words, you know.
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome back to In Our Own Words, a podcast all about words and how they're used. Today I'm joined by Scott Quinn. Hello. Hello. Hi, do you want to introduce yourself to our lovely listeners?
0: I would love to. Um, I'm Scott Quinn, I'm a songwriter and artist. I'm currently based in London and I spend all my days writing music for myself and for other people.
1: Yeah, so I'm definitely more interested in the songwriting than the performing. Um, I definitely consider myself a songwriter who releases music. (laughs) Um, How did you get into writing for the people? How did that all come about?
0: So I've written songs ever since I can remember. It's been a thing since I was really small. Um, But I never, and I don't know why I didn't see it as a career path, but I just never thought of it as a career until I went to uni. Um, I was in bands and orchestras for years and I was in a band um, up north in Harrogate. And then I went to university and I had to do um, a solo project for my coursework. I did that. And as I left university, I uploaded that to BBC Introducing. And that one of my songs went straight to Radio 1, which is mental because we tried so hard with our band before to do that. And then suddenly I'd just done something on a whim. And then it was really peculiar.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, really crazy. And then something just tweaked in my head. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this could be a thing. Um, So in that first instance, I thought maybe I'd be an artist outright. Again, not really knowing what that entails properly. My own experience being in a band. Um, and so then I went to some good friends of mine who ran a YouTube channel called Aunt Sofa, which is a live session channel on YouTube. Um, and a very, very long story short, they started managing me. Um, and I got involved heavily on the business side of that YouTube channel. And what that entailed was filming up-and-coming musicians doing live sessions, which meant I got to meet hundreds and hundreds of emerging artists um, and in turn would then network and start writing with these people so for about a year and a half I had an endless tap of amazing talented writers who needed songs and before I know it I realized I was writing more songs for other people than I was for myself and Naturally, from there, you start getting interest from different people, publishers, and all those things. Anyway, so long story short, that was my kind of start. And um, I spent about a year and a half kind of developing my own writing style before, um, I think it was about a year and a half before I signed to my publisher, uh, which meant I could move down to London and do it full time.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Because a lot of your, so the, I found your music in the weirdest way. Oh, I don't interesting. Know if, this is where I make you feel really uncomfortable because we have met before. <laughs> I was um, I went down to London to see um, see a friend I should say before he gets angry with me, um, but also <laughs> to see Billy Martin play in a church. Oh! Um, and I was sat there discussing with him the difference between waft and waft. And I turned, I was like I'm going to get it's a third good debate. It's a great debate. Yeah. And I turned to you and I asked you, and you didn't I didn't know who you were and you obviously didn't know who I was at this time. And then like a few days later, Billy shared a photo like on her Instagram or on Twitter or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's like sat exactly where I was sat. Like, I don't think I took that photo. And so I clicked onto it and it was you. And I was like, oh, he's a musician. So I clicked through his music and I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And I didn't know that. Waft and
0: waft. Would you believe it?
1: (laughs) That's how I found your music in the weirdest way. That is peculiar. What did I say? Waft or waft? Waft. I think you went with the southern one, which I can't remember what that is now.
0: Oh, my word. I remember that gig though. That was what? St. Pancras Church? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So Billy... um, is a good friend of mine. And we, ironically, we discovered her on on Sofa. So she was, <laughs> cool. the way she got her start was that she was, um, friend of mine, if no one's heard Billy Billy Martin, she's an incredible, credible songwriter and artist. And her lyrics as well, her songwritings, it's one of those things, we'll probably discuss it more in a minute, but it, she's one of those people who you just, she can't have learned it. Mm. You know, she can't have learned how to do what she does. There's something kind of magic going on there because she was that good when she was 12. Um, and that's how we found her she came on sofa she did a a cover I think and it blew up it got 600,000 views really quickly she had label interest immediately um, and we developed her for about four years Um, I say we my manager did my ex-manager and um, before she got signed to Sony but yeah she's released I think this is the second album as it says Um, but she's incredible but how funny that I completely forgot about that it's coming back to me now (laughs) what's the waft
1: yeah, it's weird. You meet people in the weirdest way, though. So, you really whether do, it's yeah, you really do. In a church, or you yeah. go and work for some friends and end up kind of meeting people that way. It's, Ironically, it's kind of as well, it's it whenever I go to gigs
0: by myself. So, when I went to that Billy gig, I was by myself. And I've been to a few recently, seeing friends play and stuff like that. And I always bump into random people who turn out to be lovely, amazing, often musical people. Um, but yeah, how funny.
1: Yeah, it's it's an odd world. So, yeah, talking about. <laughs> we're talking about Billy's lyrics now. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's definitely something that. so. I look back at so I was writing songs from a young age. I look back at songs that I wrote when I was sort of twelve, and I'm like, these are the worst songs that have ever been written. Like some, some of them are just awful. And then, like you say, you meet some people who it just comes so naturally to. Um, And I think that your songs lyrically are incredible. Like I think they're just they're very poetic. Your lyrics and they flow together really well. Do you think that's something that you like? You say, do you think that's something you're born with or something that you've learned? Like how have you developed that?
0: Honestly, don't. It's interesting. My, I actually remember one of the first songs I wrote was called "Cry No More," and it must have been in year nine. <laughs> and actually, thinking back to it, it was actually a very mature song for for my age. And um, I actually don't dislike that song. That was probably one of my better songs around that time. But then, um, oh. I don't know. I've never. I was never necessarily that academic at school. I always did well, but never really. No, thought myself as like an academic, always been creative, always done music. And I guess music is, you're, bas- you're basically a poet putting your words to music. It's something that I've yeah. kind of concentrated on a lot recently because I actually uh, met and befriended recently a guy called Hussein Manawa, who is one of the most talented poets and lyricists I've ever met. Um, and he's he's like a rock star poet. He, he sells out huge venues in London. Um, oh. he, he recently opened the Soccer Aid tv thing recently um and it's because he's he's got this really beautiful way of words and the thing is with his his poetry and also this is something i try and do it's i've also got friends of mine who are very good poets but they're quite complex and i wouldn't say they're necessarily that accessible Mm. and sometimes i find the most emotive and incredible lyrics that really hit home are those that just are simple but mean so much it's like less is more i think but yeah, I don't really know whether it came with the lyrics. one thing one correlation I did find with with my lyrics and my writing, and then the the um feedback I got from people was that the the rawer and the more honest I was with myself and in my lyrics and the more vulnerable that always translated and I think everything has energy I'm a big believer in energy, and I think songs there are songs in my set. That no matter where I've been around the world, whether I've toured around Europe, different places, different currencies, different languages, these songs still hit people the same way. And I've seen grown men cry at my songs. And I mean, that's incredible, though, to have that impact on people. (laughs) Well, it is. I remember vividly I was playing, um, I was supporting The Naked and Famous at the um, Union Chapel and... I'm surprised I remember that gig, actually, because I had a terrible wisdom tooth problem. I was off my nut on coding. So I just, <laughs> I didn't know. I actually, I had two nights supporting The Naked and Famous. I always keep going off on tangents. I was supporting The Naked yeah. and Famous for two nights. The first night was in Bristol. The second night was in Uni Chapel in London. And I was so off my face, bearing in mind, I don't, drug, I don't do drugs, like recreational at, at all, never have. But um, I was on coding and I was under so much pain. I couldn't remember that I'd introduced myself to the band so the second night I come into the venue, I'm like, oh, guys, great to meet you. I'm playing tonight. And they're like, dude, we we, we talked for ages last night. He's definitely right. Oh, Christ. Anyway, but no, I was in Union Chapel. It's a beautiful venue. Um, I'd love to play that one day. Oh, it's stunning. <laughs> I had no idea until I went to soundcheck there. Also, fun fact, full female sound crew.
1: That's amazing.
0: It was, I've never had that before. Front of house, um, monitor engineering, stage manager. Everyone was female, which I encourage. Oh. And we need more of because it's you're usually just sat left with a grumpy guy <laughs> seemingly hates his job even though you know anyway um but yeah and i was playing one of my songs there was like light coming through the stained glass window and just in the center of the room this guy was just in complete wreck and oh. um people around him it was really sweet i think people who didn't know him were like consoling him and stuff and they came up to me afterwards he was just bawling his eyes out but he was thanking me for it which i think was the most profound thing and it's just again i've had that around europe in different places and so for me the you're honest in your writing and you capture the energy of a song, it will always translate as such. Yeah. It's something I've found. Um, and that's why recently I've become a lot less perfectionist, a lot less of a perfectionist with my stuff. Um, a good example of which is that I've had two or three songs past few years. I've just, what I would say fallen out of my head, which is, Mm. um, one of them more recently is a song I wrote for my best friends who had a baby.
1: I heard that one. I saw you post it, and I listened to it. That's incredible. Oh, thank it's just you so, so much. it's so simple, but it's so it's got so much to it. And in- that was
0: one of the examples of. It's my best friends are a couple. Um, love them to bits, and basically they, they FaceTimed me one day, and basically you know held up a pregnancy test and said right we're pregnant I mean and I didn't know how to react because I didn't want to sway their opinion either way I didn't know if they were Mm -hmm. thinking of keeping it or not whatever so I just stayed very neutral but as soon as we hung up I just sat down the piano and this song fell out of me within about half an hour and that was everything lyrics melody arrangement vocals the whole recording and the recording on the video that I released is the original recording from that um
1: really I didn't know that
0: yeah I kept it I was going to re-record it and everything but I thought screw it it is what it is So everything about that for me was perfect because it was just the exact energy in which it was written, and again, it's had the similar thing. It's it's had the same effect on everyone who's listened to it, yeah. Which for me is fascinating, yeah, Um, because it's just a collection of sounds and words, and yeah, (laughs) it has a certain effect, which I think is brilliant.
1: Yeah. So is that quite a, a common way for you to write songs? Like, do they do they just come to you, or do you sort of? So to me, sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll like sit on it for a few months and then I'll be like okay I'm finally ready to write about this and then other times I'll have a really bad day or something really exciting happen I'll be like right okay I've got to get this down so to me it's kind of one extreme or the other what's kind of your process there's there's
0: a few sides to my especially as my job is writing songs so there's different sides to my Mm. career and the way I write so writing for myself takes time. Um, The longest time it takes me to write a song usually is for my stuff when I'm really thinking about it. But then there's exceptions to that rule with that song for my friends. For example, there was another song I wrote um, based on a poem that my cousin wrote for his wife who sadly passed away.
1: Um,
0: And that was another one that just fell out my head in half an hour. And another one of those was yeah. It was all basically all the songs that really mattered happened
1: and Mm. they were meant
0: to happen. Other songs take time, months. I think I went through a cycle of every six months, I have like a brain dump of great songs and then I can't write another song for me for a while. Um, but then as a songwriter, writing for songs for other people, I can write, I think the other day I was in with um, two really great songwriters and producers, uh, Gil Lewis and Kai Fitzgerald. Kai actually was one of the founding members of Boston and I didn't know this until I left the <laughs> studio. Um, but he's a great writer. And we, we churned out three great songs, three great pop songs in a day. And we could have done more. We could have just kept going because the energy was right. Um, And I also do a lot of K-pop. So that's a whole different beast in itself. So there's so many different ways and styles of writing. Um, And again, there's no right way of doing it. That's something I've learned. And you just got to be at peace with it'll come when it comes. And also you just got to trust your... I used to get worried every time I released a song, I'd be like, oh, that was my best song. I'm not going to write another one. (laughs) And then six months later, you look at a SoundCloud playlist of these demos you've done, and there's like 13 really great songs there. So I'm just learning to care less. And the less I care, the better the music seems to be.
1: That's really interesting. How do you choose when you write a song, if it's your song or if it's for someone else? How do you choose that?
0: You know what? I don't even have the answer to that either because actually I went on my (laughs) first writing trip to LA last year and I was in LA for two weeks. And there was a song, a specific song that I wrote Specific, specific um, song that I wrote out there that I said immediately, I sent to my publishers, I was like, I'm really happy with this song, but it's definitely not for me. Let's pitch it Mm. out. And they were like, no, you're daft. That is for you. I was like, no, absolutely not. It's too poppy. Anyway, a year later, I'm so in love with that song and I wouldn't want anyone else to have it. And so I just, you know, no one ever knows. What I've also learned is no one really knows what they're doing. No one, (laughs) no one does at any level, senior, junior, everyone's just kind of in it and sometimes you get lucky. So as you can see, I don't really take it that seriously, any of it. That's probably <laughs> the healthiest way to be.
1: I don't know. I think sometimes it is probably the healthiest way is not putting everything into it because songwriting is sometimes such a personal and emotional thing. For that yeah. to be your work and your job must yeah. be quite a lot to kind of put yourself out there in that way. It, it is, is a lot, but it is
0: one of the most beautiful... Like, I think songwriters, and I'm biased, but songwriters are some of the most raw, brave, emotionally intelligent people. And I have the pleasure of working with them every day. And I work a lot in my flat. Um, so I have people come into my house or I'll, I'll jump around to different studios. And often it's with strangers. So you, you you meet this person for the first time. Often you'll sit down, have a cup of tea and, or coffee or something, and you'll talk for about an hour and a half. And within half an hour, m- most times, you're talking about deep shit. You are really... You know, they're telling you about someone who passed away, or this breakup they just had, or this horrible disease that they're riddled with. I don't know. Um, yeah. But it's really raw, and that's how you get the best songs. But also, it forges these really magic, unique friendships. Yeah. And I would say I have two fr- friendship groups. That I kind of like I have my home community and my tribe who live around me, and my London friends. And then there's another side of my London friends who are all musicians and songwriters. And I think it's not that they're mutually exclusive. It's not that I wouldn't allow them to mix because I do. Yeah. And it's great. But there's there are different read if that makes sense it's kind of like no one can really understand what you're going through in industries as as well as someone who's in it with you because it's a really peculiar job there's lots of pressures and anxieties around it but there's also many beautiful things and it's quite funny because I often songwriting can be exhausting it can be very exhausting because because it's not hard labor I can imagine a lot of people sat back and like oh yeah you just sit around plonking a piano how's that (laughs) but you do you come out of it so emotionally drained sometimes and a bad day in industry is a really bad day because music is emotional. yeah. And it's not a case of your boss just being like, oh, you know, taking off of it. It's someone is either, they might be saying something bad about something you've made and it's come from yeah. you. And, it's, and the only person that's yeah. really responsible for that is you. So it's, it's a bit of an emotional rollercoaster. And so the relationships and friendships you make within writing circles are, are really quite deep. And yeah, they're, they're just yeah, amazing, colourful people.
1: I'd love to write songs properly with people. I think the only times I've ever sort of collaboratively collaboratively is yeah, that a word? Absolutely. I'll pretend it is. Yeah. <laughs> the only time that I've ever done that with other people has been I've written with my best friends, if yeah. that makes sense. So we've already had that understanding of, but I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to go and sit down with someone and kind of get to know each other that quickly yeah. to write. And
0: it's, I think I've been doing it, I say for so long, but like I've done it so many times now that I kind of take it for granted. But my dad often reminds me, he's like, so talk me through it. Hang on, you go into a room with a stranger, yeah, <laughs> and then you come out with a song. So what happens in the in-between? And I can't, I honestly can't tell you, because there are, there are moments in the process that just blank out. Something just happens, and then something's made. Is it coding? Yeah, probably codeine. <laughs> it's just, I'm, off, I'm not coding. Um, but it's weird, and I have, you know, have, there are people, I have very close friends of mine, who, um, there's a very talented artist called Yasmin Hassan claire who's become a very good friend of mine. We're best friends now. We met because she did an on-sofa session. Um, we started writing, then we've been writing together for like two and a half, three years. Um, we've written an entire EP together and producing it. And it's got to the point now, we're such good friends, she'll come around mine, and we'll kind of just dot around all day. And in my head, I'm kind of like, ooh, we should probably do something. But then before we know it, Yasmin's leaving, and we've done a song, but I don't know where that song came from.
1: But if you say, like that's like you said before, if that's come from a natural place, then... That yeah, might be effortless. one of the best songs because and, it's so natural. Yeah.
0: and you do find your, your group and your tribe. And I know Yasmin went away for a while and worked with other writers and producers and they listened to all the songs after that and everyone preferred the songs that we'd done together, so we just ended up writing together more. And you should always expand your horizons and try out different things and different people, that's fine. But when you find something that works, you should definitely run with it for as long as you can.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So I worked with a producer for the first time on my album that I brought out like a month ago. And that was such a weird experience for me because previously it's been I sit there I write the song I take it to the sound guy he records it yeah. and I release it and there's very little kind of extra stuff that goes into it, but this is like for the first time I was sort of able I was like oh here I wanted to like build up and do all this and for the first time that happened and to kind mm. of see that transformation I felt like it added so much more to the song. Do you yeah. think because you produce as well as write you're able to bring that kind of additional layer? a lot easier or do you think it's more difficult because you're thinking about the production while you're writing or how does that? I think I know what
0: that feeling is like because I've had it, it wasn't long ago I had that for the first time. It's, it's kind of, because it's a language in your head that only you can kind of understand until you put it out into the world. And when you actually say it out loud and it happens, I been mean quite profound about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, pr- predominantly I'm a songwriter. I can produce and I vibe up demos and stuff. My production angle, I've, I've, I'm learning more now is me working with other producers who are better than me and i'm an ideas guy okay and it works and it does work and i know i've got really great friends who are incredible producers and they say that i'm one of very few people who they would let backseat produce in that they'll let me change what they're doing or judge their instincts or vice versa so that's that's kind of cool but i always think no matter how good the production is if the song's shit it just won't be good yeah you put you know you put good stuff in you'll get good stuff out if you put shit in you'll get shit out and it's just that is the, the main thing for me the song has to carry whether that's on a piano vocal guitar vocal or if it's full production full band whatever you can spot a bad song a mile off
1: i think um, that's a really good attitude to have on it because sometimes you do listen to the radio and you go how has this made it this yeah, far yeah, yeah. and then sometimes you'll hear stuff and you'll be like Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And, and this, so again, different there's
0: different types of music, but like Max Martin, who's the most successful songwriter in the world and he's prolific, he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He will work <laughs> on uh, two or three songs a month and he'll fine tune those songs and he'll just make sure every line counts, every melody has a purpose. There's nothing frivolous or throwaway. It's calculated. And he has a formula that I know a lot of people that I work with try and live by and work by. Whether it works, I don't know. Because there's a lot of, a lot of this industry is to do with luck, but he will craft songs. Mm. And there's an argument at the minute because of streaming and stuff that we're just, people have to release every six to eight weeks. And so you just end up churning out songs. That's why you're finding more and more songwriters on a track. Yeah. Um. So like some of the bigger artists will have up to 12 writers on a track, if not more. So that's why, because they're crafting songs they're taking bits from each song and they're piling it together because they need to
1: i think it's really interesting to see people release like so many singles now because like you say if you release singles more often like that's is that better is that worse and that sort of thing but yeah. i know someone i don't know them I li- yeah. <laughs> there's an ep that i listened to recently by gabby Hanna, and it's i think it's maybe a five track ep but it's got 10 tracks on it and each one in between is like a flow from one to the next. They all just fit together so coherently and so well. Yeah. I think that's sort of a lost art. Like albums used to do that a lot. They sort of flowed into each other. Like Pink (laughs) Floyd, best example of that. Whereas now it's kind of, here's here's a snippet.
0: Yeah, I haven't had the urge yet to do an album. And I think it's one of those things you have to have, you you know, I want to come up with a concept and I want to run with it. That's basically what I want to do. But so far, for me, singles just make sense because it means I can mess around with different genres and styles. And I used to want to have a coherent sound track to track. And I haven't released in a year for many different reasons, but mainly because I was changing my team up and all these other things. Um, But I now just want to release music that I like listening to. And it might mean that track to track, the sound is a bit different, but I've also learned that my voice has a tone to it that will carry through the middle. That is the theme. It's not necessarily the sonics around it. Um, and there's something
1: to be said for a song as well if the song can stand alone yeah. then it's a good song like you say i don't yeah. think I, I hope i didn't come across as i only think albums should be made. no 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 no,
0: <laughs> not at all but i know but people I think, who are diehard album fans and occasionally i'll stumble upon an album that i do love listening to start to finish matt corby put his album out not long ago his album's incredible and that is a body of work that does flow and it is you know you can hear us all come from one place but at the minute, I'm just excited to do singles and work on singles and just get the momentum.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really exciting place to be where you can just play around with it and kind of find what you want to do or yeah. what you want to write about. Because as well with different singles, it's, as well as having its own sound, it can have its own theme. And like you say, you can sit down after a, a call with your friends and just write and then release it. Yeah. And that must be an incredible incredible position to but that's what i
0: did and also that with that one i just wanted it out because i wanted it for them and so i just put it on youtube um because other tracks you have to service them go through spotify and all that i just put it yeah. up because i wanted it out and that's the beauty of it i can do that and at the minute because i'm out i'm not in a record deal currently it means i have the freedom to do what i want and so yeah there's uh, that's the thing i mean people have asked to have that on spotify i might do it at some at some point but for me it was just important to get out and to have it there
1: I think that's incredible. But you are. This is going to be the worst segue ever. Yeah. You recently released a very popular song, which is on Spotify. <laughs> Did you like that really bad segue?
0: I like how you're trying, though.
1: I'm really trying. Yeah. Um, so what was that like? So do you want to explain a bit about that? For We're B2, talking about the BTS track. Ride? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking, well, is there another track of that? Um,
1: maybe. Well, if nah, there no, is, there let's isn't. talk about nah, that. No, there isn't.
0: There isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, BTS. So for people who don't know, BTS are a phenomenon. There. K-pop band who have just blown up, and but the story is quite funny. With this, was so basically two years ago, I remember specifically I was with my ex-girlfriend at the v which is a, a museum gallery in London, and I was walking around and suddenly my phone's just started vibrating and it just wouldn't stop. And I thought it was malfunctioning. I took it out and basically my Twitter had just blown up. I had like thousands and thousands of retweets and all this. And basically this band BTS, and I didn't know if it was a band, a dance group, a solo artist. I didn't know. Had shared my music really randomly. They just put out okay. screenshots of my music and just said "good music" in Korean. So I had no idea what the hell was going on. My phone kept going blown blah, up. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, I I replied to this tweet in Korean. I, I, wow. I basically said in Korean, "I don't speak fluent." It was Google Translate. But um, <laughs> they'd basically tweeted saying "good music" and then they put uh, an emoji of a ha- half eclipsed moon. And so I replied, and they, at the time it was just something. It just came naturally. But looking back at it now, it's probably a great play by me, but. I replied in Korean saying "thank you, brother," and I did the opposite eclipse moon, um, and then I, my phone blew up even more because then all these Koreans were like, "Wow, you respect our culture so much! Thank you so much for, you know, being so respectful." Blah 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 blah. This whole thing blew up. I replied to every single message I got for the next week. I was literally on my phone twenty four wow. seven. I got thousands of DMs and stuff. Then learned that BTS is one of the biggest K pop bands around, and at that time, and I'll be honest about this, I'll say this openly k-pop for me in terms of the interpretation of in western world was a very cheesy dare i say tacky thing it was something that we didn't know how to handle and it's definitely something that at the time i wouldn't have been encouraged to be affiliated with but something in me was just amazed by these guys like seven guys they're all very feminine beautiful guys incredible dancers the music's ace i i love the music Anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> um, but we, we would DM on Twitter. We chatted a bit, being like, we'd, you know, we should get in the studio sometime, blah, 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 blah. But then they got bigger and bigger. They had, I think at the time they shared my music, they had four and a half million followers on Twitter. Um, they've now got some- Not like, insignificant. Not insignificant, <laughs> but now they have 20, and that was in the space of two wow. years. So massive growth. Anyway, that fizzled out, and nothing really came of that until my publisher got an email from Ministry of Sound saying that Mira Masa, who's a producer has done this track and bts are interested in it would i be interested in doing a top line my publisher didn't know the backstory so i thought this is a really weird coincidence yeah i said yeah of course so in my room listen to it and basically what i do now when i get a top line so top lining for anyone who doesn't know is you get given a a track a production track, so no um it's just an instrumental no vocals and you have to put melodies and words to it um so what I do now is I put my phone on voice memo and I set record and then I press play on the demo for the first time. I don't listen to it beforehand and I just sing along to it and I go with my gut instinct. Um, and usually my gut instinct is what I end up going with for the final version. So yeah. I got the demo, played through, recorded me singing gibberish then wrote lyrics to it um, this track had a flute sound at the beginning and I thought, okay, if this song is going to be for BTS and let's say they're going to sp- sing in English, I still want it to have a Korean element to it. So I researched and found that there's a flute called the Tagum, which is the ethnic flute of um, Korea. And I wrote this whole song about a Tagum. Albeit I did sexualise it slightly, I think. What did I say? Play <laughs> me like a Tagum. And I wrote this whole thing to my publisher saying, this is the demo, This is the." I gave her the full history of what the Tagum is. I even gave Choreography um, Notes I said they could do this I just went off on one She messaged back Being like You're absolutely nuts But I love it um, <laughs> So this must have been A year and a half ago uh, And then Big Hit Who's BTS's label Loved it There's talks of releasing it But then it all died out um, They kept sending me Tracks to work on Nothing really happened And then I went to Korea I got invited to Korea To write for Another label out there Called SM Who have bands Called XO um, NTC I think is another one NCT, other huge bands. And I was out there with some amazing producers and writers and we spent nine days writing incredible songs that are coming out this year, actually. And while it's I was 17? out there, I met with BTS's team and they were saying that we actually love this Tegum track, we want to put it out. I'm like, yes, fantastic. When's it going out? They were like, three years. I like, what? I said, it'll come out in three years. I was like, I can't wait, three years? What do you mean three years? And know this is such a long story, but it's fascinating. Basically, at, at that time, BTS had to go on military service for two and a half years. And that's the rule out there. And the only way to get out of it, I think at the time was to get a gold medal in the Olympics or something. (laughs) So they were were preparing to take a break. um, And I think they were let off now because they're one of the biggest exports in Korea. They're like incredible. Mm. People are learning Korean so they can listen to their music. Um, Anyway, um, (laughs) long story short, came back, heard whispers that someone was cutting the track. And then I found out it was Zara Larson. She's done a verse on it. I was like, that's incredible. Um, uh, she went in with a writer, a very talented writer called Max Wolfgang. They took the lyrics that I'd written and then changed them. So instead of, uh, what was the, I'll be there with, i uh, am playing like a tiger. That was the original one I think. Play me like a Tango, Play me like a Tego. Yeah, and then she, they did, um, I'll be there when the day comes, which I think is great because it's a more positive lyric. It's a universal lyric. And mm. again, thinking of what's the most simple message to understand that conveys something that you want to, because it's a very positive song. Yeah, um, and BTS are a very positive band so they rewrote that BTS took the song they rewrote lyrics in Korean and then I got a demo through and it sounded incredible and long story short here it is it's for a game it's an official soundtrack to a game they're releasing on the 26th oh is it?
1: I didn't know Gym. that i yeah. just heard, heard the song well, this <laughs> is the thing it
0: hasn't really been pushed like a single but it's still charted it's still gone yeah. number one on iTunes everywhere it's done I think six million seven million so far on spotify and wow. more and others so it's nuts it's huge and for me i mean it's a massive step up for me as a writer because it's you know mirror masses Zara Larson and bts are some of the biggest artists right now so yeah very fortunate to be involved in that and it's just a very cool project but yeah writing it in my bedroom literally by myself to then seeing people dancing to it on twitter it's being played here being played in clubs but mental absolutely mental
1: that's crazy for it to go from you just playing like playing it voice memo to... Yeah, it's been sat on my hard like... drive
0: for a year and a half and I've listened to it loads So I thought, <laughs> this is a great song. Um, And I stayed in touch. This is the other thing as well for any songwriters out there. You have to work your songs. I really believe in that. And what I mean by that is it's all well and good going into a session. You write a great song.
1: Mm-hmm. A
0: lot of people will just go home and forget about it and either wait for their management or the publishers to pick it up or just hope that one day the song gets picked up. Instead, what I do is I keep in touch with that artist. Like with the BTS thing, I emailed yeah. their team weekly and sent them other ideas and chatted in general, met them when I went to Korea. I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And it's basically just keeping your song and your name at the top of their inbox. And yeah. it's not harassing. You don't harass people. I check in with people every few weeks and be like, what are we thinking about this track? Can we make it better? Have you got a plan for it? If not, you know, another thing I do is pitch it to other people and get them interested because nine times out of 10... The other person will come back and go. Actually, no, we do want it. So it's a game, <laughs> but really. The any,
1: any business, isn't it? Yeah, like, 100. Yeah, you've got to keep people interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And if they start to like disappear, then you generate interest elsewhere. It's 100. It's business which I'm, I know very little about in mm. the music industry. I'm there with IT. but yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> the music. I industry, would say I mean. that
0: one of the best bits of advice I could give anyone is to, to clear yourself up on even the basics because something that's been really valuable to me is the fact that I took a great interest in the business side of industry and it's meant that I've stopped myself getting screwed over. I've managed to leave deals or arrangements without having to take it legal because I just knew enough to make a common sense judgment on it. There's a book I'm actually looking at now. All you need to know about the music industry on the music business is by a guy called Donald S. Passman, and I think they rewrite it every year because the industry changes so much. It's basically the bible for industry, and if anyone wants to get into industry, it's worth having just to look up and um, swat up on, just so you have like a defence against the sharks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get. I'll check that one out. I've not. I need to know more about it. I think the only experience that I've have I've had with in quotes industry is um a very popular i think it's itv program reached out to me Uh, and said oh do you fancy jumping straight in at this level and i was like "Mm, don't don't think so (laughs)
0: that's
1: that's my only dalliance and thankfully i had people around me to say don't do that
0: (laughs) yeah you know some people have done well off it but at the end of the day for me they make money off people's yeah story so yeah yeah
1: which i don't have (laughs) (laughs) i I need i need a better sob story yeah (laughs) I'm very lucky in that respect mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a it's a difficult one because like you say sometimes it's right place right time and yeah. then sometimes it is just hard work and so when people say oh you got lucky sometimes it's well, no like you've worked hard to get where you are this
0: is the thing and i've said this a lot I, people have said that throughout my life because again i mean some it's up and down it's stressful you, you're basically self-employed you have to make it work there isn't there's money out there but it's you know it goes up and down like a yo-yo so you can be broke and then you can have a ton of cash vice versa um But what I've always said to people is that I'm not lucky. I'm just fortunate. But there's another saying as well. A friend of mine said that I actually love. The the easiest thing to do in this industry is to work hard. The hardest bit is the luck. And there is an element of luck to stars aligning. And this BTS thing for me is a bit fluky. You know, there's a weird story to it. And it is a bit of a coincidence. But I did work the track. And I did work that relationship. And I did press. And I did keep pushing. And I kept, you know. So... I guess there is luck, but if you don't action it and you don't do anything with it, it's like Mm. getting. if you're trying to make a fire with flint and you get a little spark. If you don't do anything with that spark, if you don't blow on that ember to create a fire, nothing's going to happen. So, yeah, luck comes and goes, but you need to act on it to make it work.
1: It's It's taking the opportunities that you get, isn't it? Exactly, and in this industry, the the reason
0: why people are successful is because they have perseverance, they have grit, And they can hear no. You hear no on a daily basis. You hear no more than you'll ever hear yes. And if you can hack that, you'll do well because everyone else will start off and, you know, go to other jobs which are, you know, are a lot more comfortable and you have a lot more security, which I have no qualms with. But for some reason, I just can't do it. (laughs) So here I am.
1: Yeah, there's an element of that. It's having that, that kind of safety blanket as well. So there's been, like... I think anyone gets this who works full time, like in an office job, they'll go, oh, I just want to get rid of all this and pursue my passion. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then you think, oh, well, what What if this and what yeah. if this? And I've never yeah. been brave enough to kind of take that. Yeah.
0: that well, let's be fair, when it. I left uni, I haven't worked for anyone since uni, if not before. I've been self-employed ever since then. And it is scary as hell. And I have no mm. safety net. You know, I'm not from a wealthy background. I don't have reserves anyway i just you just make it work but i know this has been my life now for what five years whatever and i don't know any different so when it is stressful i just have blind faith that i'm just gonna smash it that's, that's
1: incredible though <laughs> that you've got that that you can sort of go, i think you have to do
0: otherwise this. you're just gonna die
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a cheerful note there <laughs> well so i had i did have some questions written for you but i I've just enjoyed chatting about all these things. Well, so I, but should we do things. a quick
0: fire round?
1: Quick, okay. Yeah. Um, so the first one was, how did you get into music?
0: Okay, got into music, off the back of my EP from uni, BBC One Play, went from there, got publishing, industry, blah, 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 blah.
1: Cool. Do you prefer writing or performing? Oh. <laughs> quick fire, come
0: oh, on. uh, uh, perf- uh, performing? Oh, I don't know. Both really. both are very different.
1: Making grown men cry in the middle of churches. Yeah, I love feeling?
0: making grown men cry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um favorite song of yours that you've done?
0: Uh the special ones. Young from a friend who sadly took his own life is a special song. The song I did for my friend. Any of the songs that really just fell out of my head. Delicate. The personal ones. Oh, all of them. Delicate's a tune. If anyone's familiar with my song Delicate, that that was that felt really great. And the message is strong behind that. It's the whole kind of um Work to live, don't live to work mentality. Um,
1: I think the best the best advice that I've ever been given was so I was always whenever listen I'm Listen to on Scott stage Quinn's music. No, joking. Sorry,
0: <laughs> no. You're saying what the best advice you've given, I said listen to my music, but that's, that's... <laughs>
1: um, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, the <laughs> best advice I've I've ever been given was when someone said to me, The the last thing that you release you should think is your I've butchered this completely yeah, yeah. but the last thing that you've released you should think is your best release yeah yeah. because otherwise you're not growing and you're not improving
0: and oh no 100% when... yeah sorry go on no 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 no, no go it's
1: so when, when when they said that to me I sort of went yeah and and, and I have I 100% tried to stick with that because before that I was kind of releasing songs I'm like oh it's it's good enough like pe- yeah. people like that but I wasn't fully invested yeah. in it and now I only want to kind of release stuff that I'm 100% happy with and I think is better than yeah, than previous
0: stuff that I've done 100% and I don't necessarily think anyone will ever be 100% happy but you'll be proud of it and if you're proud yeah. to stand by it and be like I believe in this song then great as soon as you uh, as soon as you don't do that I think things start rotting away at you and I think that's how people fall out of love with music I think
1: yeah and I think it's like what you said before like you can put the effort in with the song but then you've got to push it after that you've got yeah, to, be if, to put the you know what in.
0: I've I've done I don't want to say what it is because there are people involved in this who might be offended there's been content around release of mine that I wasn't proud of and I couldn't push it and it hurt to have to. And okay. I eventually just didn't. And it is a horrible feeling because it is a very personal thing. So never yeah. um, compromise on that.
1: Yeah. Quick fire quick fire, you... quick fire, quick fire, quick fire, quick fire, quick <laughs> fire. Um, oh, okay, quick fire, right. Um, <laughs> lyrics or melody?
0: Uh, you can't... Um, both
1: you've said that to most of these that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um and then the last question that i always ask people yeah. is on the spot yeah. come up with a jingle for the song for the podcast what's the name of it again uh, in our own words
0: uh uh they're not in my words they're not in your words you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to send you one
1: no, you've got you got to do it now. That's the that's the rule. <laughs> da, da,
0: da, da, da. In our own words.
1: Perfect. I mean, feel free to come up with a fully produced version. <laughs> do you have sunflower. one yet? Do you have a jingle yet? Uh, no, um, it's going to be different each episode. And oh, okay, it's gonna be fair. By, the, by the person on the episode.
0: Well, that my mind was crap on it, but yeah, we'll think about that. First.
1: <laughs> feel free to send another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping when I pass this on to my editor, who's also my producer, he'll take the little sound bites and turn it into something amazing. Very good, but very good. He's probably finding that out for the first time by listening to yeah, this Yeah, very good.
0: Hello, <laughs> editor.
1: That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have fun. you got any upcoming projects you want to plug while, while you're here? Um,
0: I have a new single coming out in the next few months called Lines. And then exactly. it'll be every six to eight weeks after that. You do it. You're doing the six to eight weeks. I'm doing weeks. it. I want right. momentum. I just want to go, 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 go. So there'll be all sorts of touring um, features. Actually, there's a few features coming out as well. But anyway, lots of new music, basically. That's
1: so exciting. I'll make sure I listen to it Thank all. you. And come and see you when you're on tour. Thank you very much. That's great. Thank you so much. Cheers. Next time on In Our Own Words. The YouTube channel's brilliant because it's such an outlet for everything. Um, but yeah, like writing, especially writing fiction which is has been my dream forever and that's just so all-consuming that um it's it's lovely because it it helps me to step away from the internet a little bit and you know I spend like four three four hours a day just in my own little world in my head and